You're listening to the Access Success Podcast, produced by Access U, a division of Access Advertising and Public Relations. Hey, let's do something big. I'm your host, Rachel Schneider. Welcome to the Access Success Podcast, where we highlight important topics focused on education in every form it takes. Today, we'll be talking about best practices for diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, and how schools and businesses working to create a welcoming environment for all can do that. Our guest on today's episode is a business consultant, restauranteur, and nonprofit founder. Kat Pascal advises businesses and organizations about DEI strategies and is also the founder of Latinas Network, a nonprofit organization supporting Latina women in the community with business development, professional development opportunities, and representation. Additionally, she's the co-founder of Farmer Gesa, a farm-to-table burger restaurant with multiple locations here in Southwest Virginia. Kat, we're so happy to have you. Thank you for taking the time out of that very packed schedule to be able to be with us and talk to us today. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to be here. Excited to to chat more with you. Great. So let me start off by asking how you first became passionate about DEIB and becoming a strategist and advising companies. So let me just start off with saying thank you so much for having me here. I'm really excited to be here. Um, DEIB work is probably something I've been interested in my entire life. There's a lot of different experiences I've had and, and had growing up, even in my adult life, where I've been seen differently or asked a lot of times about maybe my darker skin complexion or my accent or if I speak a different language. So I think um, that type of work has always just been embedded in me. Now, let's just start off with saying also that there's a J at the end of DEIB. So J means justice because belonging, diversity, equity, inclusion, none of that can exist without the intersection of justice. And what is justice? It means that we're doing the work um, against the systems that allow prejudice and racism to hold up. So that's part of our, our work as well. Amazing. Well, thank you for adding that. Uh, what are the signs that a business can lack DEIBJ initiatives? I mean, how can this hurt their workplace and community? So it's like, how can it not, you know, hurt it? How can it not hurt um, to be including the, the community that it might be or their workforce? How can it not affect the students in their organizations um, that identify as a different race or a different um, in the LGBTQ plus community. So how can it not affect them? So businesses need to realize that by not addressing it or not bringing it to forefront, that they're doing a disservice to those individuals. Is this something that you can find often in your work? Like just modern day, a lot of businesses may not have DEIBJ initiatives or like policies for diversity? Yeah, I I would say that, um, you know, the evolution of the the work um, more now, we're able to kind of see it um, because we have access to information like our social media and, and internet, right? So we, we see initiatives that start off but don't evolve or don't continue to grow from there in the work that I do in particular. Um, when those companies or those businesses are ready to work with us, 
they most often it's because there's been a problem or something has been brought up. Um, being proactive with it is where I challenge businesses to to start thinking about that. Start looking at their workforce, start looking at the makeup of their leaders. Does it reflect the workforce? Does it reflect the student body? Those are the type of organizations that I challenge to say, where are you with your initiatives? And again, this is a journey. This is a active approach that you have to have in the type of work that we're doing. It's constantly growing. It's constantly learning. Every day I learn. So going off of that, you know, most businesses and organizations you work with, typically they're coming to you because there already has been a problem yeah. and they need to address it. Can you talk about some of the most common best practices that you let them know that they should start implementing once somebody has already been hurt or something has already taken place? So hiring an outside firm is absolutely the best practice that we, we find works. You can't do the work. You can do the work internally, but you can't come up with the solutions internally. You have, you really should bring in experts, professionals, and individuals that have, or firms that have done this in the past. Um, Some best practices is identifying what those problems are, identifying who is bringing up these problems, how can you know, it, it kind of comes back to like the who, what, when, how, why, right? Mm-hmm. Like these are like the common questions that we find out or we start to have as we're going into businesses is trying to find out why did this happen? How does this happen? How does it continue to happen? When did it initiate? Is it from the bottom to the top or is it top to the bottom? So there's a lot of different factors that are going to take place in order to know what those best practices are. Everything that we do is individualized to the organization. I'll give you an example. There was an organization that wants to hire a diverse um, pool of candidates. So we have to dissect, why do they want to hire a diverse pool of candidates? In their experience, they had found that in the industry they're in, they know Hispanics work harder. Whoa, right? (laughs) Like our eyes just go, what? Okay. And as a proud Latina, I'm like, yes, we are hard workers, but there's a there's a problem with just identifying that as a I want to hire Latinos because they're hard workers. So almost going and dissecting and going into the root of where that comes from is the type of work that we do. Now, we'll help them find a diverse pool of candidates and we'll help them start to do their outreach. But we start from the very beginning and we start from the very core root of what we believe might hinder the sustainability of what that plan will be for the long long term so if i continuously think only hispanics are doing or only latinos are the best workers you're hindering and and creating barriers for your future of your business it kind of reminds me almost how like detectives form an investigation. They find the who, what, when, where, why, and how you you know do an audit within an organization to find out, okay, but what was like the motive here? <laughs> like what was the start of this? Yeah, we always have to find the motive. We have to find why you know, and especially as a as a firm that has that focus in because I'm a business consultant, but I have a DEIBJ um firm that also works with me. We have experts that are professionals in this field. So for us, it's like 
let's change the entire core of this and let's let you know why this will make so much sense in the long term for your business and how you're not going to hurt yourself. Let's talk about how diversity initiatives have evolved over time in the workplace. What's unique about today's environment where we have social media, um, where we have you know websites and different types of ways to get information out to the public, but those are also ways that you know, open up your organization for criticism too, or, you know, open up um, more opportunities for potential job seekers to see more of what your culture is like. By large, I think organizations have taken um, that there is a direction they should go with the type of work in DEI. That's probably the most popular um, acronym. Um, And it's because they're seeing it on the news. We have a lot of access. So I talked about this earlier. We have a lot of access to social media. So you can go viral very quickly if it's something is going wrong. Let's take Starbucks, for example. Back when they were, they went through the diversity, equity, inclusion um, training. This was a few years ago. They had some backlash, but it was because their video went viral. But guess what that created? It created an organizational, nationally, I'm sure it's international, the type of training that they were going to focus on. It made them react to what was happening in one of their locations. So I think that's, I think that's where the evolution is, is that things are more in our face right now. What can we do in order to, or what can organizations do in order to kind of, be in the forefront is talk about it, not just include Taco Tuesday, not just include a diversity day, not just have one workshop, one conversation, that they have a series of conversations, that they bring their workforce, that they bring their students to, to the conversation, initiate, have them initiate the conversation. Believe me, we, we want to talk about it. As minorities, we want to talk about our experiences. We've had them our entire lives. So we want to share and we want to, and I, and I believe, and I can speak to my personal experience, when I notice that there are organizations or let's say colleges or universities that have this at the forefront, I'm more interested in those in universities than I am in the ones that are not even talking about it. So addressing it and being more proactive instead of reactive. Absolutely, yeah, bring, t- talking about it. There's nothing wrong with talking about it. Problems don't go away by not talking about them. You know, they're just going to simmer in the background until they're explosive. (laughs) And then if you bring them to the conversation, if you bring it out, if you actually initiate those conversations, just like communication, right? I mean, that's how you make friends. That's how you grow together. We have to have this constant mindset of, of growth and learning. Well, and I think what we're seeing nowadays a lot of the time, too, is we see companies, um, taking performative action versus like authentic proactive um, initiatives we often see this performative or this reactive action Um, you know I saw a lot of like tweets or Instagram posts this uh, June when more and more companies were participating in Pride Month and people were kind of criticizing these companies and organizations in the past because you know they don't actually have these initiatives but they're making their profile like a rainbow flag or something and that can be seen as you know inauthentic Mm -hmm. so can you talk about just the difference with that and how just better explain like that difference for organizations and businesses if they they're not sure how to navigate it yeah so performative 
we're doing it for a show. We know Pride Month was happening, so we're going to put a rainbow on everything. Now, what came with that? You know, so that's when companies or individuals get criticized is when you literally are doing it to see what others think of you to say you're doing it for show. I mean, it's right there in the word perform. You're performing for an audience. You're performing for the people you're performing to see to get their buy in when you do it from an authentic place. And when you are having performative or I'm sorry, authentic, um, approaches to this you're talking about education you're learning you're listening listening is a big one here you're teaching you're having the conversations internally and anytime that you do it internally it's going to reflect externally and it's not going to be their advertisements are going to show um not just one specific race their advertisements throughout the entire year show that there might be somebody in the LGBTQ plus community. There might be somebody who's a black individual, a Hispanic, Latino, a woman, a child, a person with a um, disability. Those are in their advertisements throughout the year, and they've made a proactive approach in order to, to make sure that they're inclusive of those individuals throughout the year. And then you celebrate Pride Month. Because it comes naturally, it comes organically, it comes from what your your community is saying that they want to see from you. It's not just because it's Pride Month and I want to go ahead and put a, a, a rainbow on my logo. So when you have that type of approach, your audience knows it. Yeah, I think people are expecting a more authentic experience online now more than ever. And they don't want to see a bunch of like filtered images. They don't want to see perfection. They kind of want to see those imperfections or they want to see that people are trying and making an effort. Um, So what are the most like common going back to like the best business practices or some signs that a business can lack that initiative um, in diversity? What are some of the most common maybe issues that you've seen in your work over Mm. the years that businesses come to you with and you know, oh, that was a mistake. You shouldn't have done that. So denial, right? That's not a problem here. Mm -hmm. We don't have that problem. Um, I proximity. I this has happened to me personally um, in in one of in some experience that I've had. Um, proximity. I couldn't possibly be racist. My best friend is Colombian. Hearing those type of things, it's like alarming and your eyes open up that these individuals are kind of stuck in the, in the way of thinking of, I couldn't possibly be biased. I couldn't possibly be racist. I couldn't possibly be because I have somebody near me who, who mirrors what you're saying I'm against or have somebody around me that I grew up with, I couldn't possibly have this bias against them. In fact, we're all biased. In fact, we all have some type of racism. And, and through learning, through growing, through educating ourselves, are we then able to move into a, a space of, of openness, of inclusivity, right? So right now it's not about empathizing with those individuals or it's not 
saying, oh, well, your experience, it can't be as bad as this, this particular uh, community. So instead of empathizing, just listen. <laughs> listen and learn from that. Learn the things. Take away what you, what you like and what you think you could change in your individual life because that's, what, how, that's how we have effect. We start with ourselves. We start with our closest to proximity. And then we kind of make the, the global changes, right? Because it has to start within ourselves. So if we're able to, to just identify that and be more aware of ourselves and be more aware of what our unconscious bias, then we are able to, to move forward. So kind of the man in the mirror and just yeah. being open to learning Absolutely. and not denying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good analogy. Yeah. That's what I thought of because that song just like popped into my head. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I love that analogy of it starting inward and then you're able to create change with your inner circle and then eventually with your community. Can you talk about the power of representation, having an organization in a community like Latinas Network? Yeah, so Latinas Network started about two years ago. And um, so, again, I'm a Roanoke native, and I've gone to school, probably like 10 different schools. We moved around a lot. This is all due to due to uh, my parents being first immigrants here from Columbia, South America. Um, not stable, didn't really understand finances at that time. Um, uncertainty lack of trust, you know, they were here by themselves and with their three children. We moved around a lot of places. And like I said, I've, I've had experiences my entire life from, I remember my mom when I was like eight years old, somebody saying, learn to speak English, this is America. And I remember being a kid like, wait a second, but I speak English and I also speak Spanish. And why are you doing that? Like, it was so awful. And I remember just always having this inclination of like, injustice or like some type of or that I'm going to do something about it well two years ago um in 2020 October of 2020 I started thinking oh my gosh oh well actually I started watching the news Latina women are falling out of the workforce Latina women are having to stay at home with their children we're the primary caretaker um businesses are growing six times faster than our counterparts they're closing faster only three percent we're going to like the the million dollar mark so i kept thinking oh my gosh there's something i have to do because i actually fall into that category i fall into the oh my gosh if i didn't if i was working full-time i would have to be at home full-time with my kids unfortunately wasn't and we had our own businesses but i would be the person that would have to be full-time at home with my kids and so I was like oh my gosh there has to be so many more Latinas around here and I know them and they don't know each other how do we make this happen so I got with a couple of my girlfriends and and just started this idea and got everybody kind of fired up and we had our very first lunch with leaders is what we called it in November of 2020 and it was a full house okay it was a full house of Latina women supporters um, allies people that just wanted to be part of the community and to know how to get into the community that had resources. And I had no idea. I had no idea how that day was going to go. And I was like, we are on to something. We can definitely make an impact in the Latina community in this area. 
And um, fortunately, a lot of leaders in the same room. What does that mean? That means that all of us have a ton of ideas. We're all going to support one another. And here we are about to celebrate our second year um, with over 500 members. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. It's so exciting. And I know we have a lot of backstory to that, but it was through conversation and finding a need and knowing that there was a need. And then we turned it into a nonprofit and we've done everything slowly it's all volunteer time. We do it with such passion. Anytime we leave there, we're so, so energized, ready to get the next programs going. But it is, it's a room that you want to be in. It's a room that you want to, to know how to support and how to be a part of. Um, and everybody's welcome. We have a very diverse um, audience when there's a lunch with leaders. We have a very diverse, when we have a social hour, we started youth mentorship just this year. And that was, wow, that was an, another um, aha moment for us. Like, there is definitely a need in our youth community here in Roanoke. And does that, I mean, did you partner with the schools, or how does that work? Yeah, so partnering with Roanoke City Schools, and we piloted um, one of the programs at one of the local high schools, and we started with about 20 young women from the age of 13 to 19. Okay. And it was an after-school program. We went there every other week, and we got to learn about the girls. Really representation, right? So we were like, we told our stories. We shared who we are, why this is what we want to do, what we love. And just seeing somebody that looks like them can understand culturally what home life might be like, what um, living in another country might be like. Um, It was they started to uh what's the word engage with us in a way that was kind of like well I have a question and I want to learn what it's like to be a mom and we were a little puzzled at first and that was just one of the individuals and um and we were baffled and we were like okay well what do you want to learn and she's she was about to be she's was pregnant oh my gosh 14 years old pregnant (gasps) And wanted to just relate to us and talk to us. And yeah. then some of the individuals in the class didn't speak English. Some of them were living with a family member. Um, their parents weren't here. Their sisters weren't here. Um, and some of them were living with a guardian. And so um, a guardian that wasn't even from their same country or related to them. And so for us... W- our eyes got open or my eyes were opened. Okay. I come, I lived here my whole life, but as a couple of the program or a couple of the people in the program with us, as far as on behalf of Latinas network have came here, um, to the country as an adult had to navigate the system. You know what I mean? So we all have Mm -hmm. different perspectives. And and I think that's, what's most important about Latinas network is that it's not just my vision. It's (laughs) the vision of everybody within this community of saying, some of us might not speak English. Some of us might not be here legally. Some of us might not um, understand the education system. So then we become support systems also for those those parents of those those girls. And we just can't wait to be, wait to be back. I think we're going into two high schools this year. And it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of uh, coordination. We do the background checks. We do the volunteer forms. We do a lot of things in the background that make us able to go into the schools mm-hmm. and to be these mentors or these these resources for the these younger women 
So it, it's a really rewarding, selfishly rewarding um, for me. But I imagine that we all have some type of influence in our lives that we kind of reflect back to a role model or somebody that helped us along the way, whether it's a teacher, a, um, a coach, a friend, a friend's parent, that we want to be that for those girls. We just want to make sure that they know we are a resource. We are there for them if they have any questions, if they have any type of need, any type of assistance in navigating, you know, high school. And that's so needed because we saw so many organizations with the pandemic, they stopped a lot of those mentorship programs. And like we saw, you know, Big Brothers, Big Sisters or the Boys and Girls Club that Mm -hmm. had those outreach programs with the pandemic. Everything was just very, you know, halted and isolated. And wow, just hearing that story. um, I'm so glad you guys were able to do that. And we are the Access Success Podcast. So would you be able to share some success stories um, from clients you've worked with, from Latinas in the community that you've been able to work with, with Latinas Network? Yeah. So uh, there's this one in near story to me that's just really awesome. Um, We have, there's a particular friend of mine who I've known for about mm, 13 years and we've always kept in touch since she had since she arrived to Roanoke and her story is phenomenal I'll let her tell that story one day (laughs) and her story just has always motivated me and inspired me of this single mom who has two young children and almost had all odds against her, right? And so ever since I've known her, I've seen her grow her business, what her inspiration and passion are, grow her business, then continue to provide to the community and the Latina community in particular um, fitness goals and fitness um, healthy living and does it at a a rate that makes sense for those individuals. Um, and then when we started Latinas Network, immediately she jumped on wanting to help. Um, the youth mentorship program was prop- her baby, and she was the program manager for that. And she is was the person who helped us really get the girls into a an ambiance of trust and and engaging. She helped us with doing soccer tournament or not soccer tournaments, but soccer games with the girls. Um, but since Latina's Network, she's also been able to open um, her catering service. Oh, we were cool. able to hire her for her first big event as the first annual Latina's Network um, and paid, right? Because, I mean, we one of our goals is to pay each of the individuals, each of the vendors, the caterers, the people involved in these type of programs because statistically we're underpaid (laughs) Latinos and Latinas are underpaid across the United States underpaid we have lower wages so for one of our goals was making sure we put our money where our mouth is and we're all self-funded we fund these projects by asking individuals for those funds but asking individuals for those funds or we provide them as the board ourselves and for the banquet for the one annual anniversary or the first annual anniversary, we were able to pay her, get her, her whole team. She got to run her whole team and it went through smoothly streamlined. And I would say that that was a pretty close and personal 
a success story for Latinas Network and a friend um, because it kind of shows how everything is full circle. What we wanted to make sure is that this didn't become some type of social club. It didn't become just like, okay, we're going to all just hang out in the same room, right? We have goals and some of those goals are um, finding board positions for some of the Latinas in the, the community, finding ways to amplify those voices. Now, we used resonance um, advocacy, research and advocacy um, company to do an impact report on Latinas Network, right? So we gave them a lot of data. We gave them data, a lot of data of what we were doing internally and what we were doing externally, he already knew. And so he came up with, or he gave us in turn um, a impact report and that impact report was presented at the first year anniversary and for us we were excited to learn about what it is that what kind of impact were we making and within our community and some of the things you heard people say was i've always wanted to have connections with other business women women and some of them or somebody that was in the same place as i was i never thought of the importance of networking until i joined latinas network Somebody said, I used to be shy about talking about my business, and it's always been a challenge to share my opinion without being shut down. Mm. We want to be the organization that bridges the gap between all or other organizations, um, but I didn't know how to do that without Latinos Network. And so, I mean, just easily, here's yeah. another one. It's very easy to fall into a stereotype of the caregiver or waitress, but here we add more examples of professionals in our community. That's the kind of representation that's important. We're able to highlight and amplify the women in our community to make sure that they know that they're valued and they're seen and they're heard, that they're important. And so I think that learning from that impact report and learning what even in the first year that Latinas Network was was up and running, that that impact was make that was happening. I couldn't wait to see what's going to happen in year two, year three, year mm-hmm. five and ten, because it, like I said before, it's not what my vision is. This has evolved. This has evolved into everybody's vision within this organization. And it has allowed everybody's voice to be heard. And we make sure that we do surveys. We make sure that we ask questions. We make sure that we have those events to make sure that we have ample, ample times for those people to be heard. And so I think that that's a success story for us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's great to hear everything you guys have been able to accomplish. And thank you again so much for being able to come on the show and talk with us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to have chatted more about you. And of course, you can reach out to me anytime. And how can people contact you or businesses and organizations maybe that like to work with you? I am all over social media. So I'm all over LinkedIn. Um, I My personal email address, I'll make sure to add that to you or give that to you so you can put that on here. But mm-hmm. um you know, I'm here in Roanoke. It's pretty hard to miss me. You can find me at my restaurant. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on um, probably any nonprofit or volunteering opportunity that you see in the community. So um, it's really easy to find me. I'm Kat Pascal um, on Facebook, Instagram, and even TikTok. <laughs> Wonderful. Yes, we just created a TikTok, so we'll follow you. Yeah, please do. <laughs> it should be fun. <laughs> 
Thanks for listening to the Access Success Podcast produced by AccessU, a division of Access Advertising and Public Relations. Find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram to keep up with what the world of education needs to hear at AccessU Agency and connect with us at accessu.com. Let's do something big.